Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Moses is mentioned in the Quran more than any other person. Interesting. I mean, you would think Muhammad, you would think that some one of these other you know, prophets, but Moses actually is mentioned more in the Quran than any other person. So it just shows you the, the high regard that um, Moses is still held in in many different cultures. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, in a message titled, Jesus the Son, Moses the Servant. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Here we go. We are now picking up. We sort of paused in our study in Hebrews and looked uh, specifically at a few of the passages that we'd already touched lightly on. And so now today we're going to continue to make our way through the epistle, picking up here today in the third chapter and verses one through six will be our text today. But once again, let me remind you that the author here, of course, we're, we're continuing on. So he, he continues to do all the way through the epistle. He continues to essentially do the same thing. He shows the superiority of Christ over all those that came before him. He began with the angels, and now he moves secondly into dealing with the superiority of Christ over Moses, who, of course, was this towering figure in the minds of the Jewish people. But he's going to show the superiority of Christ to Moses, and, and he's doing this always with that perspective of helping the people hold fast to their faith. They were being severely tempted to go back, to go back to Judaism, to go back to what was comfortable, to go back to what was secure. And he's warning them over and over again not to do that. Because in doing that, in in going back to the old system, it's a system that God is no longer engaged in. And to do that would be to actually depart from God himself. So that's what he's continuing to do as we pick up here in this third chapter. And to summarize the verses that are before us real quickly before we read them, In summary, this is what he's saying in these verses, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, is high above Moses, the mediator of the old covenant, inasmuch as Jesus is the son of God and Lord over his house, whereas Moses was the servant of God who was faithful in the house. And so with that, verse one of chapter three, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, Christ, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony to those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, 
whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. And so the first thing he does as he carries on now is he, he reminds his readers of their true identity. And it seems that even in this, they had sort of forgotten. So he reminds them and he refers to them as, as holy brethren. Now, you see, under the law, there, there was no way to ever attain to holiness in the fullest sense. As, as long as you were under the, that system, that mosaic system, there was a, a continual need for sacrifices and so forth to take place in order to you know, keep the people holy in the sense that they could experience God's presence. But now through the work of Jesus and the ultimate sacrifice that's been made, they are holy brethren now. There's no longer this, this striving for that. There's no longer this need for the continual sacrifices to be offered and so forth. So even in referring to them as holy brethren, he's reminding them of their true identity. He's reminding them of something that they presently possess that they don't want to even think about losing, which they would actually lose if they were to go back under the old system. So he refers to them as holy brethren. And secondly, he speaks of their heavenly calling. And, and so once again, it's a reminder. They seem to have lost sight of their heavenly calling. And they were, in a sense, ready to forfeit their heavenly calling for security and comfort here on earth. So, so he's reminding them that you know, even though they might be struggling, even though they might be going through difficult times, even though they might be living in the midst of persecution, their citizenship is in heaven. And so they're, they're to put their focus on heaven and not on the earth. So he reminds them there of their true identity. And then he says to them that they are to consider the apostle and high priest of their confession the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, this is the only place where Jesus is ever referred to as with the term apostle. But in case you don't remember, the word apostle means one who is sent. And so even though this is the only place where the term is actually applied to Jesus, the idea is stated over and over in scripture. Jesus himself oftentimes would make reference to the fact that he was sent by the Father. And so again, what the author is saying here is just as Moses was sent as an apostle, so to speak, by God to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he also mediated between God and the people, so Jesus is, as Tim Keller would say, the true and better Moses the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates the new covenant. So just as Moses was in a sense, the apostle and the priest over the old system, now Jesus is the apostle and the high priest over the new system. And so it's at this point that he's going to go on and he's going to show the superiority of Christ to Moses. Now, this was a very delicate subject and a very difficult one to approach because 
of the, the deep regard and the high respect that the Jewish people had for Moses. And rightfully so. Moses was God's servant. And the author here does not denigrate Moses even slightly. He speaks of Moses as that, that true servant of the Lord, but he also makes it clear that Moses was a servant in the house and Christ is the son over the house. But in, in speaking to them about Moses, as I said, this would have been a highly sensitive thing to address. Adolf Safir, I made reference to him previously, he wrote about this and the challenge that it would have been. And he knew it firsthand because he himself was a Jew who came to put his faith in Christ. And, and later in life, when he went into ministry, he became really a missionary to his own people. So he, he, I think he expressed well what the challenges would have been. He wrote this. He said, to speak of Moses to the Jews was always a very difficult and delicate matter. It is hardly possible for Gentiles to understand or realize the veneration and affection with which the Jews regard Moses, the servant of God. All their religious life, all their thoughts about God, all their practices and observances, all their hopes of the future, everything connected with God is with them also connected with Moses. Moses was the great apostle unto them, the man God sent unto them the mediator of the old covenant. And we cannot wonder at this profound reverential affection that they feel for Moses. You read in the gospels and in the book of Acts with what joy and pride they said, we are the disciples of Moses. It was their glory and boast. And we cannot wonder at this when we think of Moses, of his marvelous history, of his grand character, of the unique position assigned to him in the history of God's people and the wonderful work given him to perform. So Moses was a great man indeed. And so the author, as he's going to address this and as he's going to remind them of the superiority of uh, Jesus to Moses, he's obviously going to do that in the most sensitive way possible. And so that, that was the, the ancient Jewish perspective on Moses. But it's interesting that Moses is still today a very prominent figure in many cultures around the world. Because just as the ancient Jews or the, the Jews in the time of the writing of this epistle held Moses in high regard, it is true today that he is held in high regard by the modern Jew. And those in the state of Israel today, they, they highly revere Moses. Moses is revered by Christians and also by Muslims. As a matter of fact, Moses is mentioned in the Quran more than any other person. Interesting. More than any other person. I mean, you would think Muhammad, you would think that some one of these other you know, prophets, but Moses actually is mentioned more in the Quran than any other person. So it just shows you the, the high regard that um, Moses is still held in, in, in many different cultures. Uh, the legislation of many nations has been influenced by the Mosaic law. And even in pop culture, we find that there are many continuing references to Moses Films about Moses, 
the great Cecil B. DeMille uh, epic, The Ten Commandments, or uh, the DreamWorks production, The Prince of Egypt, uh, or the more recent Exodus, God and Kings. These all attest to the ongoing influence of this man, Moses. Many see Moses as the founder of a great religious system along with other religious figures like Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad. But let's just be clear that that is the wrong view of Moses, especially in relation to Jesus, who, as we see here from the text, is Moses's Lord. So the the common idea that, you know, you have a number of different religious figures in history who the religions were established by, and of course, Moses would be Judaism. Uh, This is an inaccurate perspective uh, according to the scripture and especially according to the New Testament. And so in the passages that we read, beginning in verse three, what we have here is really a comparison and a contrast between Jesus and Moses. And so what does it say? It says, first of all, actually in verse two, speaking of Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was also faithful in all his house. So in comparing Jesus with Moses, they were both faithful to God. That's the comparison. Moses was the faithful servant who brought in that that old dispensation. Jesus is the faithful servant who has brought in the new covenant. But then the contrast, as he goes on, he says, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. So the contrast is that Moses is a member of the house, or the idea here is the household, but Jesus is the builder of the house. And of course, the builder has more honor than the house itself. And then Moses was God's servant. Jesus is God's son, and he is the ruler over the house. So those are the comparisons and the contrasts that he makes. But the fact of the matter is Moses was, as others are, Moses was a type of Christ. Many of the Old Testament figures their lives foreshadowed in many ways the life of Christ. And that's true with many in the scripture. Isaac is probably the first real example that we we find of that, a type of Christ we see in Isaac, where you remember Abraham offers his son, his only son that he loves on Mount Moriah. And that's a picture of God the Father offering his son eventually on that same mountain, Mount Moriah, which became the place of the skull, Calvary. Then we have a picture of a type of Christ in Joseph. Joseph, the one who uh, suffered the ill treatment by his brothers and was cast out and imprisoned and rejected and all of that, but then became the great ruler of the known world at the time and, and saved his family. So another picture there through Joseph, a type of Christ. And so likewise, Moses he is also a type of Christ. It was Moses himself who prophesied that one day the Lord would raise up for the people of Israel a prophet like him, 
a prophet like him. Now, Moses was unique in regard to the prophets. No other prophet had the, the same kind of authority in a sense that Moses had, at least authority in the, the sense of, of visible authority. Of course, Moses exercised the great power, miraculous power in the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And then Moses' word, the, the law, uh, became the, the foundation stone for uh, the nation of Israel. And, and so Moses, although the other prophets were equally inspired by God and so forth, they didn't really have the stature that Moses had. Moses said there would come a prophet who had that same kind of stature, and that was a prophecy concerning Jesus. And, and the distinction, one of the distinctions God made between Moses and the other prophets, he said, regarding the other prophets, he said, I speak to them through dreams, through visions, through different similitudes and things. But he said, Moses, I speak to him as a friend speaks to a friend. I speak to him face to face. And so this, this was the distinctive between Moses and the other prophets. So Moses prophesies and he says, there's, there's a prophet like me that God is going to raise up and he will speak for God. And those who refuse to listen to him, they will be directly accountable to God for that. And that prophet, we know that that prophet was never identified by any of the successive prophets that came because when John the Baptist showed up on the scene to prepare the way for Jesus, the religious leaders who came from Jerusalem wondering who he was, they asked him, are you that prophet? So they were still looking for that prophet. He was not that prophet, but actually he was there to prepare the way for Jesus who was that prophet. So Moses prophesied about the coming of Christ himself, you know, in, in that statement there in Deuteronomy 18, but in many other ways, we could, we could spend weeks and weeks going through the writings of Moses, which are Genesis through Deuteronomy, and we could find all kinds of references to the coming of the Messiah. But let's just take a minute and look at how Moses was a type of Christ, how the life of Moses foreshadowed the life of Christ, all the way back to the infancy of Moses. Remember, that Moses in his infancy, his life was threatened by Pharaoh. Pharaoh had given a command that all of the male children that were born to the Israelites were to be taken and they were to be killed. And Moses was part of that. Moses was delivered from that and actually brought into the house of Pharaoh and raised. But Jesus, many centuries later, had a similar kind of an experience as a young child when Herod the king gave the command to slay all of the male children from two years old and under that had been born in Bethlehem. So there was a, a parallel there in their infancy. Moses left the royal palace to identify with his people in their oppression and affliction. And so in that, he was a type of Christ. Jesus left the royal courts of heaven. Jesus left the royal courts of heaven and came to earth. And so just as Moses really condescended to identify with his people who were in slavery in Egypt, he leaves the palace, he goes there. Jesus leaves the courts of heaven and he comes here to the earth. Moses was initially rejected by the ones he came to deliver. 
he was received not the first time, but the second time. So as you read the story, Moses comes to the people and they, they reject him. And he actually flees to the desert. And it's 40 years later that he returns. He comes back and then at this time, he's embraced as the deliverer. And so it is with Jesus as well. He came to his own and his own did not receive him the first time at least. But we know that when he returns, we know that at his second coming, that those who pierced him will look upon him and and mourn as one mourns for an only son. They will then embrace him the second time. Moses worked mighty miracles. Like I said a moment ago, the, the miracles of Moses, there's no one in the Old Testament that compares to Moses in this area of the the miraculous. The, the closest person to Moses would be Elisha. And Elisha's miracles were on a much smaller scale. They were much more personal. But of course, Moses was the instrument that God used to perform these amazing, miraculous deeds, primarily the plagues upon Egypt and the opening of the Red Sea to allow the, the, the people to pass through And so likewise, Jesus did the works that no man has ever done. So this is where when Jesus comes, now here's a prophet like Moses. He's doing the kinds of things that no one else has ever done. And although he doesn't do things on the scale that Moses did, because Moses was delivering the entire nation, Jesus does miracles that that more affect individuals. But He, of course, heals the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He raises the dead. None of those things did Moses do. Moses' miraculous power was uh, manifested, or God's power through Moses was manifested to deliver the nation from bondage. Jesus, his power was manifested to deliver the individuals from the authority and, and dominion of Satan. And so we see that there is a a likeness there. Moses, we read in scripture, was the meekest man on earth. All of this power, all of this authority, all of this favor with God, but yet we read concerning Moses that he was the meekest man on earth. And then, of course, Jesus, he said that he was meek and lowly in heart. And so we see there Moses as a type of Christ Moses interceded for his people and offered to be cut off from God if the people could be spared the judgment. We find that, that, that great intercession of Moses. And this, of course, is really where we see Moses as a type of Christ. Jesus didn't simply intercede. Jesus was cut off from God so his people could be spared judgment and given eternal life. So Moses intercedes. Jesus intercedes with his very life. And then Moses implemented the Passover and a sacrificial system that foreshadowed the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb that was slain to take away the sin of the world. So whether it's in the Passover, which is recorded for us in Exodus, or if it's in the the sacrificial system that is established under the direction of Moses, all of this was speaking about 
Christ as the lamb who would be slain. Moses implemented those things. For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.